Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Upstate Unconventional. I'm your host, Nico. And as always, if you've had a paranormal or a spiritual experience and you'd like to be on the show, or you want to come on and just talk about some unconventional topics, send me an email, upstateunconventional at gmail.com, or find me on Instagram at upstate underscore unconventional. With that being said, tonight, folks, we have a returning guest. Miss Whitney Fox is back to talk about the shamanic journey. And uh, we, we go into a bunch of different stuff, uh, Vipassana, some of her uh, ayahuasca trips and experiences with working with her shaman. And I don't want to give too much away because this is a jam-packed episode. I, I got to re-listen to it again. I've listened to it a few times now. And, you know, I'm going to have her back on and we'll I'll have some questions for her just to kind of dive a little deeper into some of these topics. But this is a really fun show, guys. I'm really grateful she came back on. If you want to reach out to her, you can find her through her website, uh, WhitneyFoxMedium.com, or you can find her on Instagram at TricksterFox7. And uh, yeah, I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. And like I said, we'll definitely have her on again. So enjoy. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Upstate Unconventional. Tonight, I have returning champion, Miss Whitney Fox, is back for part three. And tonight, we're going to go into her shamanic journey. Whitney, how are you tonight? I'm good, Nico. How are you? Doing good. You know, we were talking a little bit before the show about the craziness going on in the world. And I just think we have to keep the, the vibrations high and we can weather this storm. Agreed. <laughs> Agreed. Yeah. How was your holiday break? Uh, It was good. Took a little trip out to Arizona and uh, got a little reprieve from California. (laughs) (laughs) Good to hear. Yeah, it's good. It's good. Thanks for asking. Mm -hmm. Um, So when we left off last time, you were going into the Vipassana retreat and meditating for 10, 11 hours a day. Right. (laughs) And I, I just feel like we left it a little abrupt can we go into that a little more like some of the possible paranormal experiences you had while doing that because I can imagine what you would start to see (laughs) okay yeah yeah I'd love to talk about that because it's something I feel everybody should do you know Um, or anybody that's like conscious uh, consciousness explorer I think it's you know and the thing is is like it doesn't cost you anything you know like you right. just go and it's donation based and it's there's no power trip there's no hierarchy other than the people that you know are the facilitators and it's all volunteer so it's a really beautiful system um of course when after you're finished you want to donate because the experience is such a peak experience and you understand deeply uh you know the process so when with the other podcast we had talked about the shaman that i worked with mm-hmm. um that the you know the big game changer guy in my life uh and also i had said spoiler alert he he died um after before he died he had told me that he wanted me to do this and so i had actually done it um in kind of an honor of him or in honor of the promise that I had made for him. So yeah, Vipassana, I'm sure you've got listeners that um, have done it, experienced it. They're all over the world. There's Vipassana centers 
literally everywhere. I think maybe there's only one or two states in the in the country that don't have centers, but you know, um, it's uh, the process of it is uh, essentially to get you to um, live like a Buddhist monk for ten days to learn the technique because it is a technique, and you really need to unplug in order to have enough focus of mind and concentration um to kind of deal with you know almost universally how, what the mind does uh going through a deep meditation so you know i i've said before like if if you follow to the letter the instructions um se goenka is the the person that brought it to the west and you follow uh, some recorded messages um every night you know at his instructions and and um he's a great instructor even though it's via video he's just a great uh sweet and very um evolved human being um and uh if you follow to the letter which you know i was very committed on my first one and uh you know sure enough uh just like clockwork just like what he said to expect is what i could expect from my own brain and my own the own process so um it, you know there's there's no talking there's no eye contact there's no uh writing reading there's no input it's all you're just on your own um you know two meals a day you know uh i want to say it's like 6 30 and noon and then you know it's intermittent fasting after that um your first retreat you get a snack or tea and fruit in the in the evening but uh after you've been to one then you know no eating after 12 noon and um that's also part of it um the silence the fasting the um it, it it's like clockwork it's a science it 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 works for everybody there's nobody that's going to come out of there and it didn't work unless maybe you have a mental illness or something but if you follow the protocol and um my so on my first one for sure by about day five uh my shit was coming up you know like all my crap that i carry around started to confront me you know like i was working really hard and and then there is off time that you go walk um you know or, or you have you know when you're going to sleep that kind of thing um your stuff starts to come up stuff that you've buried and you didn't want to deal with the shadow work the shadow work and it's really funny like i would note i was very because i'd already done quite a okay so i had done quite a lot of ayahuasca before that so i thought okay. oh i got this this is mm -hmm. going to be a no-brainer you know like i just move into this i'm so like zen i got it no <laughs> no and i'm not by the way like i i had my ass handed to me let's put it that way you know on my first one so and by about day five i was in you know a, a hot mess thinking where are my keys how am i going to get out of this and people do leave people do just get up and leave you'll see people crying you'll see people on the ground people just their stuff is overpowering and it takes so much discipline to and willpower become, yeah willpower and discipline to become self-aware really does mm -hmm. it's so easy to pick up your phone it's so easy to put on the tv it, it whatever like my go-to I ran for 40 years until my feet were screwed up. I just put my shoes on. I'm out. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm just going for a run, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you can't, you know, you, you have to look at what's going on in your mind and it's painful. It's 
actually very painful. Um, not unlike ayahuasca journeys, you know, you're confronted with painful things. And so after my first one, I said, like, you get to a certain point of self-awareness with both protocols, the ayahuasca gets you there like a roller coaster and the, the Vipassana gets you there like a very slow train, but you get to the same spot. So the very slow train is almost more brutal because, yeah. you know, like I said, by about day five, day six is when people become unpeeled, you know, like you can see their faces melting, you know, and um, that happened with me, you know, just like everybody and the friends that I've gone with, you know, we're right on schedule, you know, the shit hits the fan right about midway through, um, but, you know, I have, I have thoughts about why, you know, I think you're, you're that many hours in, you know, if you're say 50 hours in to learning, you know, the protocol, then your brain starts to recalibrate, mm -hmm. you know? So, um, you know, and you start to, you know, even though you think you might have it figured out, you start to figure out what you don't, what, you know? So, in terms of like paranormal things, the very first one, um, I got to, to day eight and in, I, I've done three. So in my experience, day eight is the beauty day because you're not already planning on leaving because you still know you have two more days, but you're also deeply uh, in a very Zen place. You know, you've already, you know, you're about a week, you're over a weekend to uh, 11 hours a day of meditation and fasting and the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, it was day eight of this first one. And, uh, you know, they also are a little bit ta task masters because they know on your first retreat, you've had, um, this is not easy for you. So they will, if you don't come out of your, you know, come in from your bunk or anything, they will come get you <laughs> and they will, you know, and that they're supposed to, you know, because you're, if your discipline is failing or whatever. Um, so I, you know, I'm a little bit of a do-gooder with stuff. I want to do a good job, you know? And so I was, I followed it to the letter and I had what I can only call uh, is really just an out-of-body experience. I was, I have, I meditate on a stool, you know, and, um, I was completely upright in my stool. And then I was just not there anymore. I was with this, um, what I feel was, was a young Buddha. You know, it was, it was, it, we had discussed out-of-body experiences before and the people that have those will tell you if you've ever, you know, if you've had one, it, it you know, you're not dreaming, you know, it's a reality right. where you're at. And so it was a reality. I went, I was out of place with this young what I feel like maybe a Burmese, maybe that's, I just got the sense Burmese and he was uh, on a red pillow in a Lotus position. And he was holding a red pillow, little red pillow. And, and um, it was such a shock with how real it was and how clearly I saw his face that I was shook out of the meditation. And this is not an uncommon, not necessarily maybe seeing Buddha or a Buddha figure, but going out of body. Um, it, it's not uncommon in that environment. And I have a friend that the last one we did together, he had a really extreme out-of-body experience and he decided to do some fasting along. He had fasted for a couple of days and um, he's done over 20 of these retreats and he's a, he's a deeply uh, 
committed to the process. Great guy. Um, <clears throat> but anyway, so that that can and does happen. And um, what you know, what I did with that, I'm not really sure. You know, where where I put that, I was chalked it up to another experience, and uh, and then there was also also my my uh, middle daughter went on that retreat as well and I had what um, was a lucid dream and I saw her there and um, you know so those things do happen you kind of cross I had mentioned last time I think that you, you, you when you're deep into a week into this or more because some people go on 100 day Vipassana retreats or 20 day or something but when you're deep in at least a week or so um, your subconscious moves to the forefront and your conscious mind moves back. Once you've sort of released all your baggage um, mm -hmm. and you're just the monk, I guess, for the best way to put it, um, I, I, like I get it. I get the monks. I get what they're doing because I've seen a tiny, tiny little glimmer. There's this uh, place of... Um, uh, just... you, bliss almost like zen just i mean i guess that's the only way to put it is cornball or as you know right. kind of uh cliche as that sounds uh it's it's not here you mm -hmm. know you you'll look around and but you're somewhere uh between worlds um and so what they do for you is they do give you a day of integration they don't just send you off on the street you know, as soon as you, you have a day that you can talk and you can converse and you can process and stuff. And that day is very powerful as well, you know, because you're really starting to go, what did I just experience? And, you know, obviously there's no psychedelics, there's no nothing, just you. And so, you know, you can get there uh, without uh, the psychedelics. It just takes a lot of discipline. And That's it's amazing not easy. So, you know, and I, I did uh, two more and I, I will continue to do them there. You know, I was, I, I am due to have, uh, you know, to go and serve, which means go and volunteer and cook for people and, you know, do the, uh, all of the, uh, that's my next, but right now they're requiring vaxes and I'm just, um, you know, I'm going to hold off until hopefully they kind of change that. And, uh, but they are open again, they did close. And so anyway, um, knowing the leadership there that's probably they're probably going to make some changes not that i know them personally but right. knowing where they're coming from you know um so anyway the the last one i did and i think i had also said this before they don't get easier so the after you've done the first one the second one you're allowed your own private quarters and they're modest but they're private you know, it's just a little room and a bathroom and, um, and that takes it to a whole new level because then you, you can and do meditate completely alone, not the whole time you can go to the main center and you can meditate with the group and it's advised and I have done that and they both have their, um, they both have their uh, um benefits mm -hmm. because of the power of the group but then also people start coughing and sneezing and it can kind of pull you know so if you're feeling that way the philosophy behind it in a nutshell is that it's a the protocol is a body sensing so you know first like the typical um you know anapana which is like feeling your breath it moves to into as you get deeper into the protocol into body sensing so you'll go into parts of your body and and actually sort of put your consciousness there and 
if you continue to do that throughout, you know, hours and hours with breaks and stuff, then your body sensing starts to, what I believe, and I think is believed, it starts to pull trauma from various areas of your body. So there would be times where maybe I would be focusing on my elbow, you know, and well, this for sure happened. Perfect example is, um, you know, both my parents are passed and I was focusing on a part of my body. And then I saw my father's face just in profile. And it wasn't, it was a very clear memory that I wouldn't have been able to call to memory with my conscious mind, but it was in there. And then that for me, that's how it kind of happens. You'll be scanning your body and then you'll call to memory a long forgotten moment. And so Goenka and you know, Gautama Buddha believe that these are bringing up what's called sankaras, are which are essentially, you know, sort of like scar tissue or stuff that you're really releasing. And so, you know, the the, the belief is as you release these sankaras, then you bring, you know, you make more room for happiness. You know, so as Goenka's, you know, his whole motto is be happy, you know? So he's essentially trying to uh, instruct you how to pull this, you know, the, the, um, the stuff out of your physical, um, you know, the, uh, the stuff out of your spirit body that's resting in your physical body. There's a lot of that in ayahuasca as well. Um, so, you, you know, and you, sometimes you see it, sometimes you don't. And even if you don't necessarily, there'd be times where I would have a, 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 a very clear image of a memory that I was like, oh, wow, I, that was a deep, long memory. And I completely didn't even know it was sitting in there, you know? So, and the deeper you get into it, the more you do that. And then as you go back as what they call an old student, where you get your own, you know, quarters, you can go a little deeper on your own. So going deeper on my own, I found myself able to uh, really kind of, uh, you know, uh, surrender Mm -hmm. to pain, you know, and joy too, but, you know, found myself on the ground, on the floor a couple of times, just sobbing deeper than I had knew I had in there. And then of course, when you come back from that, you're relieved of some serious trauma, physically, spirit body, the whole thing. You didn't even know it was in there, you know? So um, the, the uh, outside paranormal thing that happened on my last one is um, had my own room, got there. I'm mentally preparing for this journey because I know they don't get easier. My friend that's done over 20 says, dude, <laughs> they just kind of keep getting harder, but, but in a beautiful way. You know, you get a little deeper, you, 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 there's never an end, you know? Uh, so now, do you think you could go into like past life trauma and stuff, the deeper you go? So I was just going to say, <laughs> okay. is that, yeah, is that, okay. that's what I think ends up occurring. And, um, according to him too. And, um, you know, and we, we really don't know what is buried inside us, even things that we didn't think were traumatic, uh, you know, on some level, we're just little souls trying to, you know, navigate this place and somebody might that your neighbor or your brother or whatever might not think that's traumatic, but on somewhere you've buried, somewhere you've buried it inside. And, um, which kind of goes back to some psycho quote, psychosomatic illness, 
when you, and this is why I brought up the Vipassana when we were talking about that was, was even in the little guide, cause they give you a little handout and essentially they're, you know, the whole thing is just so sweet and so succinct and so uh, simple. And it's like, don't be surprised if illnesses disappear. <laughs> And they just throw that in there. You know? like, it's so true. amazing it's, though. It, it's, it's pretty amazing. So on the last one, um, I had arrived mentally preparing and um, the first one I went alone, but this one I had friends, you know, my friend that I had mentioned, but, you know, they separate the men and the women. And um, so, you know, you don't see, you don't even have eye contact with anybody. You're alone. Once you check in, you're alone. You know, you want you give your phone bye-bye you're not looking at anybody you're not uh relating to anyone and um which is actually pretty cool too <laughs> yeah you know I mean, on those, with, with what's going on right now in the world i would sounds like paradise <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it is and it isn't right. because you get a, just far enough in it and you're like oh god i gotta deal with this now and there's mm -hmm. stuff like some stuff with my ex-husband i I, you know, I had to deal with, I had to look at, had to look at my own part, you know, among a bunch of other things, you know? So right. anyway, this paranormal experience that happened is um, I had, like I had mentioned, I had done, a, I had at this point, especially with this third one, which was just before COVID started, but um, I, I had had a lot of shamanic stuff with the ayahuasca and my shaman and in, in personal life. And, and so I feel like I've got a connection with animals. Like I read the animals a lot and the animals will come around and they'll, you know, whether it's in dreams or in real life, like, you know, there is a shamanic protocol. If you've got animals talking to you that they make it pretty obvious that, and it's a little bit of a deep subject, but, you know, like one of the most recent ones I had, and this is on topic, um, was an experience with some hawks and, you know, with, with the animals, you know, if you see a random animal, you're like, oh, cool, a hawk. But when you see three hawks in one day and they act very bizarre with you, that's, you know, that's your, your prompt to say, okay, the hawks are talking to me. What are, what are they trying to say? And, you know, uh, hawks historically are, you know, because they have very sharp vision, it essentially is look around and uh, have a sharper vision, see more clearly and or you know, you might be seeing clearly, like what you think is true is probably the truth kind of thing. Um, so when I got there, I took a walk, I, I put my stuff in the, um, uh, in my room. And then I was like, I'm going to go for a quick walk, because we're not getting together to, you know, have the first meeting yet. And um, I, I'll tell you later, i had had some experiences already with what's called the trickster, right? So the trickster very often presents itself with uh, different things. You know, the wind could be one thing, but uh, very common, the crow and the coyote. And so I went out on my walk and found myself alone. And, and sure enough, a crow flies very low over my head. And I, I thought, wow, that was interesting. And then right then, of course, a coyote, uh, this was out in Joshua Tree. So I saw a coyote in the middle of the day right away. And so I was like, oh, so Oh, it's interesting little trickster stuff. Like it's not common to see a coyote right in the middle of the day, you know? And, and also, so I got back to my room and, um, there, you know, these, the, there's a protocol there of honesty. So you don't go into other people's rooms and you don't mess with other people's stuff. And, uh, when I got back to the room, 
the towels that I had put in the bathroom for myself were on the floor and bunched in a corner. And then there's a little throw rug and it's bunched completely under the bed. Um, and so, you know, immediately my first go-to was, okay, something is going to try and mess with me. And I got a warning from the animals that there's a trickster, uh, around. So it sounds out there, but so I said to the room at large, I said, I'm not here for that. You know, it is Joshua tree. And my other experiences with trickster spirits were also in Joshua tree. I think there's a little bit of that and which is, you know, I'm actually fascinated by, um, but at, but I said to the room at large, this is not why I'm here. And, um, you know, I'd appreciate it if you'd leave me alone and I, nothing else happened after that. It was not a big deal, but it, that happened, you know, um, that's insane. That's, somebody that's wild. come into my room oh, and if they did that, why? And I wasn't gone that long. And so anyway, uh, so I think in the general environment, because you're so open psychically, um, that some stuff, you know, whether it be a perceived out-of-body experience or maybe other spirits that are around. Um, Trickster, I think, in general, is a teacher. Um, but then it's also a adjective, you know? So you might have some spirits come around, just want to play sort of in the trickster type fashion, maybe even try and impose some fear. But generally the Vipassana people, I don't think they can necessarily be messed with. You know, uh, it's just that maybe there's some open, might be some stuff kind of cruising through the land. You know, I've had other interesting things happen out in that area. So, um, so you know, the, the Vipassana in general, you know, the protocol is to meditate twice a day, an hour in the morning, hour in the evening. Um, as much as I would love to be able to do that, in my general life, I don't have the discipline. I do do the hour in the morning, but come in the evening, like there's just, it's hard, you know, and, um, I do what I can once in a while it's in the evening, but you know, um, and my life benefits when I do it, but that's like everything. If I do some intermittent fasting or if I, you know, get a lot, I feel better, you know? So it's just one of those other things that like, you know what I'm saying? So I do, I do. Intermittent fasting is incredible from september to november i drank only distilled water and i was doing that a few times a week and i felt amazing i just i can't i felt more open to stuff i felt like i can't prove this but i feel like my vision got a little better <laughs> you know i still have to wear my contacts and glasses but i think there's something to that i can see mm -hmm. a little bit better without them not much because i'm pretty much blind without them, but really <laughs> It's yeah, I think that I think there is something to that for sure. Fasting in general, if you go for a couple of days, like weird stuff, weird stuff happens. You know, your yeah. smell gets, your sense of smell gets better. And, but then at, at the same time, it's like we're bogged down with getting work done. And you know, like at least I am. I'll just be like, okay, mm -hmm. tomorrow. But then I, I do do it. You know, um, and just like the meditation, if I can find the time and the discipline to be like the morning one, I'm pretty religious about though. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, just because it's the only, you know, because I feel committed to how much it benefits um, the day, you know, I think I see clear, think more clearly, you know, I, this, I had mentioned to you before that I have a death of a close friend last week. If I didn't have the meditation, I probably would have not, I, I wouldn't be, we wouldn't be talking right now. I'd still be down in the hole, I think, you know, yeah. um, so now in your morning meditation, do you incorporate anything else? Do you incorporate yoga or like candle work, anything like that? Or do you just sit alone with your thoughts? 
Because this is something you know? that's always fascinating to me, how people yeah, meditate. Yeah, okay. So as much as I do enjoy lots of other protocols of various things, um, I, I do feel slightly religious about that protocol because uh, it works. And if there's other things that are kind of thrown in with it um, at that time, then um, uh, it it kind of conf it cross pollinates, I guess. Okay. So I try and keep it at least that morning meditation. Um, there is another part of Vipassana, which is called Metapauna. And it's suggested that, and I do this maybe half the time, maybe part of the week, um, depending on my time frame. is afterwards. It's, you know, the Metapauna uh, part of Vipassana is, uh, I think it translates to loving kindness. So mm -hmm. you generate loving kindness for all beings. And it takes, it takes some time, you know, mm -hmm. your general family life, your extended community, the world, the universe, you know, and um, as beautiful as it is, and as vibration raising as it is, um, that it is kind of in keeping with manifestation, right? Because you're manifesting a higher vibration for yourself and the general atmosphere and um, world. Um, I do find the more that I do that though, that because I meditate on a stool right next to where I sleep, you know, on, on the side of my bed, I do feel like an energy shift there in general, you know, like the plants grow better. I don't know. So, um, but with the other kind of protocols like candle work or tarot or things like that, I do keep them separate. Yeah. It's just, you know, just to answer your question. And if anybody, if you ever do Vipassana, you, you, you're kind of instructed to do that. Like they essentially say, you know, if you're here to do this, do Vipassana, don't wear amulets. Don't, you know, right. um, don't I just meant in your daily meditation, do you incorporate any of those things or. Right. Right. Yeah. So I try and keep it to that because yeah. if you can get deep enough with the Vipassana, right. you, your body talks to you, you'll, mm. you'll feel sensations. And that's, it takes a deep amount of concentration. And, um, I would say that happens maybe once a week for me where I'll get the tingling in my feet, you know, and then I can, if you, or hands or, you know, uh, you probably don't know what I'm talking about, but if you are focusing on the inside of your body deeply, then you'll start to feel blood pumping and, you know, uh, sensory responses from, you know, what they call the temple, like the temple right. talks back, you know, um, however, I, you know, at studying mediumship as I've been doing for the last couple of years now, um, sometimes stuff will come in, you know, and then I'll get a little distracted, you know, mm -hmm. um, and also for that reason is I'll kind of just tell the general spirit realm is uh, i'm i need i'm trying to do this right now <laughs> so if you could if y'all could wait <laughs> right no it's amazing how they respond because i've had sleep paralysis stuff and i used to get visited by i call them the generic um politicians and by the end i was just like there was like 10 or 12 of them that they i had six or seven dreams where they were in and i've talked about this before but by the last few of them it was just like no I don't want you guys here. And they just go away. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's yeah. And something so, very interesting about just like not giving your consent, you know, totally. and, and it's interesting how that translates to the real world we're in now, but you know, absolutely, it's amazing. 
but yeah, it's just, yeah, that's so interesting. So you found, um, it, you found your personal power in that state. And I do think it translates to the material. I really do, you know, um, and interesting that they presented themselves that way. And then you realize how much power you have, like, right. And someone just recently, like within the last few months, kind of made that connection. Cause I always kind of looked at them as like maybe, you know, characters from the Matrix or like the Mr. Smith thing. And maybe it was just my mind playing tricks. But after 2020 and <laughs> seeing what we're dealing with, it's it's very interesting. Cause my first one was back in 2013. But my listeners have heard this story more than enough times. They don't want to hear it again. I'll tell I, you afterwards. I feel like I've, because I've heard a lot of your shows. So I, I feel like I've, I've heard you say that, but I also just find it interesting that, uh, yeah, uh, well, I'm wondering if they're also teachers teaching you to learn how to not consent, you know, like maybe they're actually good guys that are like, hey, Nico, we're going to F with you right now. And what do you got? You know, I, just, I, I don't know that too. Cause I, and since probably 2016, I haven't seen them in any dreams and I haven't really had too many lucid ones since then either. Once I met my wife, it pretty much stopped. I had a few pretty crazy ones with sleep paralysis and everything, but honestly, I haven't seen those particular characters present themselves since about 2016. Wow. Interesting as we're moving into this like major shift, you know, um, a lot of, to ponder there, you know, like what the intents and what the intentions are of these visitors ultimately, you know, and when, did, so let me ask you, Ed, when did you move into the um, thought of interviewing people? Like did part of this help you move into that? Like exploring? I, I started listening to podcasts a little bit back, like way back in the day, like, you know, 2012. And then I just lost it. You know, I'd never listened to it again. And then once the lockdown started happening around, right around the end of 2019, I started listening to the Joe Rogan program. And that was mm -hmm. the only thing I listened to. And then I kind of fell off of that once he switched to Spotify and I wasn't listening to anything. And one day I was at work and I just needed to like, listen to something. So I, I didn't want to listen to music and I just put a show on and Eventually, that led to another show, and then I found Tinfoil Hat, and then that led me down the rabbit hole. But because it, yeah. I had gotten into the conspiracy stuff and all that way back in like 2012, 2013, and was pretty up on most of it. But then with everything going on, I was like, "There's, there's something's not right with this yeah. lockdown and everything." Because I went to went back to work pretty early. I got we got locked down in March of 2020, and I was back in work by like the beginning of May. It was like six oh, weeks off. Yeah, yeah. So, and then they were like talking about the second lockdowns and all this stuff. And I was like, now nah, this, something's not right here. I'm not seeing anyone get sick. This, none of it makes sense. And then I just not started questioning. Spell test. Yeah. Exactly. So then I started listening to a bunch of shows and I was working at the dealership. So I had plenty of time to listen to shows, went down every rabbit hole I could imagine. And I started, and then in August of 2020, I had an insane, uh, sleep paralysis attack I call it that just it screwed me up for several months like I didn't talk even to my wife about it till about December of 2020 it was just really yeah um have you heard this story you know keep going because I yeah. feel like I've heard a lot of your podcast but 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 keep going 
So in, it was August 4th of 2020. And I hadn't had a sleep paralysis thing in probably about two years. And the last one I had was not serious at all. It was just, I woke up, couldn't move. And I was able to just think myself out of it, you know, just lasted only a few seconds. But this one is bizarre because I got home and it was a very weird day. It was very overcast, just an odd day. I got in the house. It was about 4.30. I went to let the dog out. And the second I opened the back door, I heard a what sounded like a shotgun blast go off. And I happened to look up and in our backyard, we have a fence and then there's a telephone pole right there. And the wind knocked one of the breaker bars off the telephone pole and we lost power. Oh, but wow. it, hap it happened the second I opened the door and it was just very bizarre. So then my stepson starts freaking out that the power's out. It's still light out and everything, but he's yeah. super paranoid about it. And so I'm like, all right, let's pack everything up. We're just going to go out for the night. We'll get Chinese food and all this stuff. And just had a normal night after that then we get home the power's still out my three-year-old's asleep at the time we drove around till he fell asleep so I put him upstairs in his room and I've got all my survival gear and stuff so the house was lit up fine but um <laughs> I got solar lanterns and candles and all this stuff but my stepson's still freaking out he's like I'm not going to sleep in my room blah 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 so I'm like all right whatever sleep in our room you know get my son to sleep I go to he, he's sleeping in the room and then I fall asleep eventually and I don't know what time it is. And I, this is why it's a little weird. Cause I've always trained myself whenever I wake up or have one of these like lucid dreams to always look at my clock. And this time I didn't look, but I woke up and I was like in this half paralysis, half awake state. And I heard the door to my son's room, the three-year-old open. And I heard him climb out of his bed and start walking into our room. And he does that all the time. So I didn't even think twice about it, but looking back on it, I thought I was awake, but I don't think I really was. I was in that in-between state. So I hear him coming in the room and I'm like, okay, he's coming in. No big deal. I hear our bedroom door open and he comes walking around the bed. I hear his feet flapping on the floor and he climbs up on top of me and he like knees me in the stomach. I feel all this stuff. He gets in between us and I'm like, okay, good. Now, this whole time, I never looked at him, but it felt just like him and everything like oh, that. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and then, so he snuggles in between me and my wife and I'm like, okay, whatever. I close my eyes. And then all of a sudden he starts kicking me and I'm like, all right, a couple times and I'm starting to get annoyed. And then he's like leg lunging me, like pushing me. And I feel myself sliding off the bed and I like catch myself as I'm like, I feel the blanket and everything moving and I turn and look like turn to him. And it's just this black mass sitting in the middle of the bed. And it's just like, as soon as I turned my head, it sounded like I got hit with two leaf blowers on the side of my head and this like high pitched squeal. And wow. I felt it sucking. It was like pulling me in. I could literally feel the like particles, atoms, whatever you want to call it in my face getting pulled into this black hole and just like in my head I'm like holding on to the bed trying to move I can't move and then in my head I just screamed out Jesus Christ and poof, it just disappeared oh that's right okay okay so you touched on that story but only kind of the last part on one of our conversations before in invoking that name right 
Yeah. And it just poof disappeared. And I snapped out of it and I like, look, it's just nothing's in the bed. I like ran into my son's room and he was sound asleep. Oh my God. What would, what do you think would have happened had you not placed your intent the way that you did? If you just like succumbed? I don't know. (laughs) I just know everything in my, like the fiber of my being was like, you cannot slip into Mm -hmm. this, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, in discussing those before I had more than my share of night terrors. And so I know, um, some are definable, some aren't, some are just abject terror. Some you can see what you're actually terrified of, mm-hmm. you know, and I think maybe we touched on that before, but I do think that there's rogue sort of entities that just feed off your adrenaline mm-hmm. and your energy. And, and you learned essentially in both of those experiences, the one with the, you know, the nondescript, you know, politician types and this that you know you took your power back and didn't allow them to you know um, feed off you you know and, and the thing is I, I don't really talk about this but I was like very pissed off at it because I've had experiences with sleep paralysis with these shadow type things before you know and I've always been able to just get them away but this time it I was pissed because it like disguised itself as my son yeah you know? cross a line you know yeah i was like no like this is not okay anymore <laughs> and right. it hasn't hasn't happened since you know um, was there any aftermath like in the morning like did your power came back on and all of that like yeah, interesting power, that that kind of crossed over into the material realm yeah it's way. it's weird and then you know i i kind of think too like maybe some of the nervous energy of my stepson being in the room too and Right. It just the power came on probably around like ten o'clock the next morning. Okay. But okay. yeah, I stayed up the rest of the night. I was just I, I felt emo like physically drained after it. Like uh, yeah. You yeah. know, I just got like hit by a truck or ran a marathon or whatever. It just Gave I blood. couldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just depleted. I just was like I a zombie that. the whole next day. <laughs> know that feeling. And when the power goes out, it literally creates like a liminal zone you're living in a limb. It's just weird. You know, mm-hmm. it's just this off. And I think sometimes that, uh, some of that stuff can enter with those things, you know, and then electricity, there's stuff with that. Like, I don't know. Um, yeah, very interesting. Um, well, it is a little bit of a segue because I did have a, uh, I, I, because I had the night terrors and learned to deal with them through this other, night it's like I had this personality in the dream state that suddenly figured it out and then I would come to in um you know my waking life I'm like wow I was I was kind of kicking ass and taking names last night you know once I finally you know after years or I should say decades of not not night terrors every night I'd say once a month and then I started to fight back I guess like you did and then I would come too and I would be like wow just invoking the name of Christ that was an interesting that was a that was random but uh, th- that seemed to work and I would also sort of explore what the that power was and uh, a bit um so uh, all meaning a segue I'll segue into starting to work with the shaman because yeah. the uh night I stopped after I started drinking ayahuasca I didn't have any more night terrors except for one um 
And that one I do feel was dealing with a dark entity, a psychic attack. And he believes so too. So let me tell you about him and then I'll come back to that story if you want to hear it. Um, Definitely. And because I think think it's relevant. Yeah, for sure. And folks, if we're we're deep into this now, if you haven't heard the first two episodes, you have to go back and listen to Whitney's first (laughs) two interviews because it it will come full circle. But yes, so you're shaman. How did you meet him? And okay, so uh, as you do in life, you come on, you know, what's it, you know, what's that Zeppelin like into every life, a little rain must fall. I had a storm come and, you know, 21 years of marriage and, and then uh, p- impending divorce. Um, uh, just sidebar, he and I are great now. We've got a great family and all that stuff, but it was rough. It was a rough road. And this, uh, the, the, uh, the shit was hitting the fan probably around 2013. And um, so I had done a lot of exploring of consciousness stuff for my whole life, essentially. And I had heard about ayahuasca and I would, you know, because I, you know, read some Terrence McKenna stuff and heard a lot of, you know, some of his interviews and knew that he had explored in that way. And, you know, uh, with like psilocybin and stuff and I was it's it was always kind of on the fringe and I had tried mushrooms back in the day I'd never done a shamanic mushroom uh, ceremony but I had had experiences with mushrooms um uh you know like camping and like it was a mind expanding thing where I was like there's more to that there's something going on with psychedelics but it was such a long time ago it was not a trend you know it was just random you know mm-hmm. let's go to Sequoia and shroom you know and then doing that had some interesting stuff and so it was kind of always on the fringe of my uh, reading or exploration if I came across something and then um, I read a book by Daniel Pinchbeck I don't know if you know that writer but uh, he wrote a book it was probably like the mid-10s or something and it was called Breaking Open the Head and he was a he worked for Rolling Stone wrote for Rolling Stone and he was sent on assignment down to the Amazon and you know, come to find out, I want to say that he was an alcoholic at the time. Anyway, he did some ayahuasca and it broke open his head, essentially. Thought it was a super interesting book. Um, Shared it with a friend of mine. We're like, yeah, someday, you know, we'll go to the Amazon, drink ayahuasca, bucket list, woo, you know. Um, But my kids were, you know, everything I had went to my kids, money, time, everything. That was was not an option at the time. So, then he wrote another book called, uh, tw- uh, I think it's called 2012, uh, uh, gosh, sorry, it's like a 2012 something about Quetzalcoatl, and okay. essentially it was more explorations with uh, ayahuasca, and, you know, I started to think like, wow, you know, because I am really want to know what's going on with consciousness, always have, like, I'm going to do that one day, and so but also in the context of my family life, that was way too out there for my husband, way too out, out there for soccer mom to go do, right? Because, mm-hmm. um, however, you know, the, the decline of the marriage started to happen and it got, you know, it got real sad, real ugly, real hard. And um, I started to think like, I, I started to actually have things like, I'm not sure I want to you know, not trying to like be too dramatic, but there was some suicidal thoughts because it got real 
real mm-hmm. effing ugly, you know? And I would be like, I'm not sure I want to do this anymore, you know? And, you know, I also was having some hormonal stuff, you know? So as you do with stress, you know, especially women, you, you're not managing your stress, your hormones are going to get out of whack, a little too much cortisol here, you know? And uh, maybe, you know, I, I, like I had said to you before we were talking, my, always my go-to to stress was to run. So maybe I was running a little too much. I was running like, you know, over 30 miles a week. And I was just like drowning my shit with whatever, you know, too much wine, too much running, too much, whatever. And uh, finally I was like, I, I was listening to Rogan back then for sure a lot. And um, somebody he interviewed because he had like done DMT and somebody he interviewed said something. He said, you don't got to go to the, Am-. I, and I couldn't tell you who it was. This has been so long now, but he said, you don't got to go to the Amazon. Like you just got to throw a rock in LA and you're going to hit an ayahuasca shaman. I was like, is that true? Like, <laughs> mm, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to find one. I'm going to do this. And so, uh, and I was already at a point in my marriage where, or that declining marriage where I was like, I, I was having thoughts of not even wanting to continue. So I was, I guess you could say I was desperate. I was on the edge of a cliff where I was like, I got to jump somewhere and this is the direction I'm going to jump. And so I started doing some internet searches and then one website might lead to another and a message board and blah, blah, blah. And, and, and then finally I found this message board and I couldn't tell you how I found it because it's much easier to find a shaman now, but it wasn't then. I mean, it was, it was damn near impossible because it was, you know, it's still a schedule one in Los Angeles County, I think, but, you know, I think Oakland, you know, there's some cities that have decriminalized it. I think, I think it's decriminalized in Oregon, that kind of thing, but it wasn't then it was very, you know, anything that's going to open your mind that, you know, right. They, they don't want, want that. You no, know, let's keep a lid on that. Uh, and also I didn't know anybody that had ever done it. I didn't, you know, it was all new to me, but I knew that I was, I'm doing that I'm called. And so, <clears throat> um, went down a rabbit hole of finding, and I believe I found this message board that didn't even have, it was all numbers. It was like, I clicked on this, clicked on that. And I found this message board. And there was somebody that said, you know, ayahuasca retreats in Los Angeles. And so I uh, went through that and then I found an email address. So then I just emailed someone that called themselves Mary. And um, I said, I want to do this. And, uh, you know, I hope you can get back to me. She did. And then she said, well, um, let's meet for coffee. And so I thought that I was going to meet Mary and, um, and we set up a time to meet in downtown LA. And, um, I live in Los Angeles, but Los Angeles is huge. Downtown LA can be a little like intimidating, scared parking, big buildings, crime, the whole thing. But I was like, fucking I'm going, you know? And so sure enough, I, um, you know, she says, she, she gets back to me. She says, I'll be in red and he'll be in white. And I was like, Oh, he, okay. And so walked into this coffee place and I turned around and the most striking, amazing looking couple walked in. I mean, especially him, like all in white, the most handsome. And I was like, (laughs) it was like out of a movie, like it was out of a dream, you know? And Mm -hmm. you know, anyway, we sat down and this man took so much time with me. Like I thought, I thought, okay, you know, he's got things to do. And, um, you know, I had my confidence was at an all time low. So I was like, I felt like I was imposing and stuff. He just stared into my eyes and he, you know, he was in deep service. He was in service. 
And the entire time I worked with him, that was where he was coming from. And it just kind of, it kind of oozed from him, the fact that he was in deep service to the work, humanity, to me, you know? So, you know, by the time it was probably two and a half hours, we sat there and he asked me all manners of questions. And I was felt, you know, this person's a stranger, why not be honest? And so he said, okay, well, I want to invite you. Um, and so I, I want to say it took about, I think maybe the first uh, ceremony, I didn't wait that long, maybe three weeks. And it was held out in La Quinta, which is out by Palm Springs. And um, <clears throat> there were, I was one of uh, 11 people and all walks of life. And um, I was obviously very nervous and afraid and, but also sort of like with the Vipassana, I'm like, I'm going to do exactly what this person tells me to do and I'm not going to deviate. And, um, I didn't know what to expect, but I was ready to go big. You know, I was ready to jump off a cliff. And, um, so, I mean, that's what happened. So there were people there. It was a small ceremony for the kind of ceremonies that he ended up holding later. Like he'd hold big ones, little ones, you know, one-on-ones, but, um, this one in particular, not knowing what to expect, completely diving in, a complete ayahuasca virgin, you know, uh, he, he um, gave me very large drinks and I had four of them, and which is a lot in that sort of, at least I think it is, you know, I've been to many, you know, just for sort of context, um, I stopped counting ceremonies at a almost 200 so i started working with this man and working very closely and very um frequently and did lots of um um you know initiation type stuff and what's called dietas uh plant master plant dietas and essentially i did whatever he told me to do and we learned stuff from every aspect because once i realized i could trust him and I also had to do a lot of discernment because there were times that I didn't trust him. And so I would have to uh, explore why I didn't. And, you know, he, you know, realized that I was projecting, you know, so I learned a lot about that kind of thing, projecting. And so anyway, that particular ceremony, I got the, in, I got the whole show. I got the full uh, uh, death of the ego. Um, and also, so it, you've probably heard that phrase before, death of the ego. I had heard it, um, and I, but I had not heard the phrase. Uh, um, um, oh God! Now I'm drawing a blank. blank um, non-duality. So a lot of people that do a lot of psychedelics and a lot of exploration in that way, going into deep realms, because you can get there with meditation too. There's a there's a space that you can get to. Um, because we don't have a really great language for these other realms in English or, you know, in our vernacular, but one of the phrases being non-duality, it's this sensation that you are a part of the whole or that you are the whole or that you are a part of God. Very profound. I mean, the most profound sensation and feeling, and it's far more real than here in this material realm. Um, so, the people that have done it, they know what I'm saying. People that haven't are like, uh, what's that? You know, what's this death of the ego thing? Like you, you, 
what happens is you are pulled out, you step out, you uh, suddenly see yourself from the third person and you're, you are um, you are separated from your identity. And, but that person that you are or that entity, that consciousness that you are separated from the ego and your identity is much larger, larger and much more aware. Um, sees in 360 degrees and has a, a capacity to have knowledge downloaded um, instantaneously, telepathically, however you want to put it. These are, these are like I said, these are all words that don't quite encompass it completely, but it's kind of the best you can do. So I got that experience on the very first drink, took completely out of the realm of this reality but also so aware and so much more, um, so much, I mean, awareness doesn't really cover it. Uh, uh, the capacity for understanding is, um, is infinite. So um, it's quite an experience for the psyche to process. Um, it, and also during that same, you know, uh, I saw my, my, I, I think I told you that both of my sisters are passed at that time. Only one was had a deep experience with her. I was with her. And then I also, my dad was passed already at the time. I didn't just have an experience with my past, my, my dead father. I was him. So Interesting. it's a, it's pretty wild, but it's actually not uncommon. Um, experience to come back with from this. I, I was him. I understood him as I was, uh, as if I was him. So to come back from experience like that, you can't help but say, we are all hundred percent one. I was you in Lakesh, you know, that you are the other me. And it's a, it's, um, if you're not in the hands of a good Kirindero or Ayahuascaro or shaman, um, processing that uh, uh, can create some issues here in the material realm. Um, and eventually that's kind of what happened after my shaman died. I was dealing with some other people that kind of thought that they could lead, um, but not necessarily, which is why I've pulled way back from it. But I worked with him for a couple of years and um, because of this profound experience, I mean, this absolutely mind-blowing, all-encompassing, paradigm-changing experience, you know, and some people left. Some mm -hmm. people were like, no, dude, I, I'm out. I can't. This is too much. Um, there was a heart surgeon that was there, and he could not surrender. He was like, this is, he just fought it, just fought it, and was actually a little bit bitter with me for being able to completely surrender. But at, at that time in my life, I had nothing to lose. You know, it was like, I had nothing, even though I love my children to death, you know, this, this the bitterness of all of these things that I thought were important, um, which are to some degree, but I, you know, this, this need to be right with our ego is like, whoa, you know, it can be overpowering. Um, and it, it just snowballs. Everybody needs to be right. No, I'm right. I'm right. Um, so anyway, this this experience um, kind of shattered all of that to smithereens. And um, so essentially got through that weekend and um, processed a little bit, you know, went home, you know, things tasted different, things looked different. I looked different. 
I looked at the world completely different. His name is Al was Alfonso, and I, I basically, I called Alfonso and I go, when can I come back? You know, I've, I got a lot of questions. <laughs> I've got, you know, I, I got some answers, but now I have more questions. Come to find out, no matter how much of that that you do, it's as if you you get this knowledge, that you get these downloads, you get these insights, and then you feel like, oh God, I've got all the answers. And you get to the top and you get out of that elevator only to find that there's another building to scale. And it, right. I, I don't think it ever ends. I think there's always another little, there's more, you know? So it's always a next level, you know, you're always, always starting and you start at the bottom and have to work your way back up. That's fascinating. I've, I've never done any hallucinogenics and it's something that's on my bucket list. You know, I, I just, yeah. Yeah. And I, it, it, when, when you do, when, and if you ever do like, there's other things to it too. I did go two weeks later, I, mm -hmm. I drove up to Lodi, you know, which is up near San Francisco and had an amazing, just, oh my God, you know, like more. And so, because I trusted him and he knew that I was in it to win it, you know, he wasn't going to go easy on me. It's not like he was giving me little drinks. He was giving me power drinks. And he's like, I think you want some answers. And so, and also he's very, um, <laughs> this is funny. He, let, I'll just say he wasn't my type, but there was women falling all over themselves for him. And I think he just trusted that I wasn't interested in that way. So he was able to, we were able to work together without that clouding, mudding the waters. You know, we just had an understanding. So um, one of the big questions that I had um, from my first one was, uh, my best friend of 25 years had died two years previous to that. And I had seen her in my journeys and, or I hadn't seen her. I'm sorry. I didn't see her. And I realized that when you uh, completely leave your identity behind, I had this deep question of then why are we even doing this? Like, because it's, it was very much when you hear people speak about uh, near death experience you know, the, their stories are very similar to a deep ayahuasca experience because the life review, you get the life review, you can, you can see where you made mistakes. You can see how other people felt about things you said and did, you know, uh, and it comes in the fashion of downloads. So it's sometimes it runs like a movie. Sometimes it just comes with the knowledge. So when I came, when I came back from that ceremony, I was like, oh man, there was too many times that I was a dick. <laughs> and I didn't have enough compassion. I didn't have, you know, like, and so I really beat myself up, you know, cause it was like, it was got like Scrooge, you know, coming back from his, you know, experiences with the, you know, with the, with the ghosts is he's like, oh my God, I, I need to have so much, I have so many things I need to make up for. I got to call this person. I got to apologize for this. Like, you know, so, but when I came back from that, it was like, but if I'm going to a place where this person, little person this little Whitney person becomes all but irrelevant you know it actually instilled a bit of more confusion and more like some fear and you know uh, um, uh, lack of uh, confidence in in it was it was an existential existential crisis right so that's why I called him I was like I need to know more if my if my my best friend Kim she's there and she once she died, Kim doesn't exist anymore. Uh, what's she doing and how does she feel about it? And 
you know, am I going to do that? And if so, why even be here in the first place? If I'm not even going to take it with me, not even going to remember, right? So, uh, not a, it's not like I'm the first person to ask this question. Um, but for me, it was the first time I really sort of dove deep into that. So anyway, go to the second, the second ceremony, 24 people there, very big. Everyone was from out of the country. I was one of only two Americans and it was so interesting, all of these different perspectives and a lot of men, a lot of really strong men. And it was, you know, I, I learned on this one that the, the power of the individuals were very important. If you've got strong, hardworking people that are really there to learn and really journey and stuff, then it adds to the healing and the, and the uh, power of the circle. Um, so I learned that on that one. Um, during the ceremony, this was a mind blower. Um, uh, it was outside on the grounds of a winery. So it was beautiful. It was warm, you know, it was, uh, several things happened. He, you know, Alfonso was very willing to let me go deep and watch me and, you know, care for me. He was, he was amazing at this. Um, one of the first things that happened was sure enough, my friend Kim came through. And I was with her. I was 100% with her. And I'm sure if you were sitting next to me, you would have just heard me laughing because I sat there and I laughed with that girl. It was like being, I was with her. We, we just caught, caught up, made each other laugh, like got all these downloads. And, and so I asked her, I was like, oh, 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 I have a question for you. And this is when I'm starting to learn that I can ask questions in that state. And I had already partially had experience with the the a thing that a lot of people that do the medicine realize that it's a female spirit and i'd already had a little bit of experience with her so I, I was kind of starting to learn that i could ask her questions as well so i'm with kim and i ask her i go tell me what happens like if i leave this identity behind like am i going to forget you know in the afterlife am I, is that and she goes if you want but you don't have to and that was essentially all I needed. I was like, oh, wow. You know, and she's like, yeah, that's, that's the whole, you know, freedom of choice thing. If you want you had a terrible life and you don't want to think about it anymore, just whatever, you know, like it's all about growth and it's all about free will. So, you know, and so I was very satisfied with that answer. And I, I still, and, and I was able to put that one to bed. I was like, okay, all right. You know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get, you know, like maybe I'll take, maybe I'll take this Whitney with me. Maybe I won't, I probably will. And, you know, if it comes in, in a, in, in another life here in this realm, it does. And so, so anyway, that same night, um, I, another drink, I was next to, um, an Indian couple from India, um, a married couple. And, um, I had not what's called purge on my first ceremony, I did purge. So you purging is very common when you hear in the kind of, um, you know, through people talking about it, um, the pur, you know, I was all prepared. Okay. I'm going to throw up. And, uh, then when I'm done throwing up, then the, the journey starts or the medicine goes to work or something. The purge is the medicine. Um, and it is a beautiful part of the medicine. Um, you know, with all that I've done, I don't purge vomit wise. I've only done it once. I've only vomited once, but there's also a bathroom purge and the, you know, not to get graphic, but what I had learned on the first journey was the purge. Um, 
is also it's not only clearing out your physical body it's clearing out your spirit body and so the first first ceremony i did i'd had a purge and i saw what was i was being relieved from and it, you know just in a short nutshell it, the download that i got while i was relieving physically and psychically was some guilt that i was carrying for an old boyfriend of mine that um, ended up dying. Um, it wasn't a drug overdose, but he was a, ended up becoming a drug addict and an alcoholic. And I was carrying some subconscious guilt about that. And so it just popped into my mind, it download. And then I realized that I was carrying it someplace in my etheric sphere. And so I do believe that other people that do the medicine quite a lot do believe that the purge is clearing you out, right? So. I just, that was a little sidebar because I was next to this Indian couple. And like I said, there was a lot of men in this circle and um, he started purging and um, you know, it's a regular vomit sound, but it's more, you can hear someone retching. And if you ever, cause you can find recordings of like um, ayahuasca music, you know, that's made in ceremonies and they're, you know, they're often called Icaros because like the music also helps the process, helps you see more, helps sometimes it like maybe a didgeridoo might help the purge come up kind of thing. Um, uh, this probably sounds like I'm speaking Greek, <laughs> you know, about all of this process. The music is very important because it's, you know, it's a, it's a vibration, right? And, you know, sometimes maybe a gong can help the group purge, uh, things like that. So anyway, this person, and I've heard that many times, and if you ever listen to some of the recordings of uh, ceremonies, sometimes there's a purge where there's, you can hear two people purging, but it's one person purging. Mm -hmm. And this is, I had not heard this before. And a lot of times the other voice might be sort of metallic sounding or um, me mechanical. Like it's very odd, it's very strange. And this was the first time I heard it. And um, it alarmed me. So I sat up and I, I'm looking at my neighbor thinking, what am I actually hearing? You know, like the vomit sound didn't bother me. It was this metallic other voice that was like coming out of him. And so Alfonso comes over and um, he's watching with me. He's standing above me. I'm sitting on the ground and we're watching. And I kid you not, of course, I'm seeing with my eyes, eyes and my third eye because I am under the influence of medicine, but it's very pineal gland <laughs> opening and uh, expansive. And, um, and we both saw at the same time as this metallic sound is coming out of this man, we saw what it was right out of like, uh, like biblical strict scripture of like a demon shape it was this little black short thing that had this wispiness about it little tail and everything and it it came out and i look up at alfonso because i'm like are you seeing this you know because i'm having fear now and he goes i see it and he's like but don't be afraid that this the the circle is protected and so we're we're watching this thing it goes out because we're all in a giant circle it goes out on the outside of the circle and i'm watching it and then i glance back at him and he's watching it so we had a shared vision right and so 
I had heard that this could happen, this kind of thing, but I really learned a lot from that. And so it went around a couple of times and then it disappeared and we both watched it. And so I just looked up at him and I was like, uh, am I, are we okay here? <laughs> you know? And he's like, don't worry, I got you. You know, I got you girl. And so um, I laid back down to go back into the vi my visions, right? And so, as I said, the music was very important and um, a uh, Hare Krishna song came on, you know, because he was, he had a playlist and, you know, later musicians had joined the general group and stuff, but sometimes there would just be a playlist and, you know, uh, I, and then I started to go deep, deep back into the visions and stuff and, and um, a Hare Krishna um, you know, you know, a tip, a basic Hare, Hare Krishna, 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 Hare, Hare, like that. And I, I could, I was getting into the music and I was hearing it and I started to have visions again. And um, in that, I was suddenly with Jesus. I mean, I knew I was with Jesus. It was this powerful, you know, this is only my second ceremony, you know, and I had this powerful presence and I knew who it was and, and I was with him and even though it's like, it was more of a download, even though I could see, uh, I could also see him, but it was very, because people have asked me, told the story, what did he look like? You know, recognizable as Jesus, but it was more of like an outline and a aura. And, um, but then I could just, I knew the presence. And so I said, man, I've got some questions, you know? And so uh, uh, he, uh, because I had already learned that I could, I could ask questions and get answers. And so so we were just kind of sitting there and I was like excited. I'm like, this is all right. And, but I, I knew who my identity was. I knew who I was. I wasn't out of my identity. I knew who I was and I knew who I was talking to. And I'm, and so, so he's like, huh, kind of funny, huh? This song, you know, and I went, the song, Hare Krishna. And he goes, he goes, don't you think it's kind of funny that Krishna sounds like Christ? And I was like, wait, what, what are you saying? And, it, and uh, he goes, he goes, oh, I'm just saying, you know, like, and he was super funny, like made me laugh. I'm sure I was laughing. And, and I go, so are you saying that Jesus Christ and, and heart and uh, Krishna are the same entity? And he goes, I mean, does it matter? And I went, oh no, I guess it doesn't. And he, he's like, it's all love. Right. And I went, yeah. And he goes, don't get hung up on names. And so, so, and then he essentially downloaded to me, like, you can call me Jesus. You can call me love. You can call me Christian. doesn't matter. It's the vibration. Right. And so I was like, wow, like that's, that's a, that's a insight that, you know, we, we fight on this material realm over a lot of crazy shit about semantics, you know? So it was a powerful lesson. Um, not too long after that, um, He's like, well, I want to show, like he essentially said, I want to show you something. And it kind of moved into where I felt started to feel really nauseous. And so I, I what I believe, and because, you know, it was more real than here. It was more real than this conversation I'm having with you. So then I think people that go deep into the deep, deep shamanic realms come back. And that's very hard to impart to people. Like people say, oh, you were high, you know. Mm, no, <laughs> no, I was more aware and I was more present and than I am in this, you know, this it's similar major. with lucid dreams, you know, like, yeah, yeah, it is very, it is. I don't sure. think and it's what the I, same level, but yeah, 
what I, I, and I also think of near-death experiences. People come back from that and they're like, no, the, that's the real place. This is the illusion, you know? So, so the download from him was multifaceted about love, about unconditional love, about, you know, so I got a, the first time, you know, that, that lesson got pounded in my head many more times with through different scenarios. Cause I could go on all night about all of the different aspects about, but that one was the biggie that what love really is and when it's in your heart, um, what it feels like, um, how to use it, you know? Um, but anyways, like I want to, essentially, I want to show you something. And, um, that's when I, I started to get really nauseous and I was like, Oh man, that was so beautiful. I don't want to do this. You know, <laughs> I hate throwing up and I don't feel good right now. And, and, you know, so, but what I ended up learning was that's when I learned like there's stuff to purge out of your physical and psychic body. And it was my turn. And so I had a really hard time. I flipped around, found my bucket and, and then, um, I just couldn't bring it up though. I could feel it all the way down to my toes, whatever this thing that needed to come out. It, that's my nausea was all the way to my toes. And so I'm working like I'm heaving and trying Alfonso comes over and he's trying to help me. And, and I'm like, I, whatever this is, I got to get this. I got to get this out. And then I heard a man across from me start to heave and stuff. And every time he would retch, I would feel a little bit better. And then I was like, is he doing that for me? You know, like, and then much later, many times I was called to do work for other people's healing in ceremony. So that's why the group is very powerful. Uh, that part is a little hard to explain and a little complicated really, because you're in some ways you're sort of asked in some ways you're not. Sometimes your higher self says, sure, I'll help that person heal. Like that's, he is the other me or she is the other me. Um, but I felt that that person, whether he was conscious of it or not, was also helping me to bring up what needed to come up with me so I could rest. So as he, like I would lay down and rest cause I was exhausted and I would listen to him. And every time that he would retch, then I would get a little bit of relief. And, but then I knew that there was, or I was told or shown whatever that there was still, I needed to bring something up. So I finally did. And it took it, you know, it felt like it took hours. Something came up and it came out. And in that state of mind, I saw it, it didn't look like throw up. It looked like this little hairy gray beast. And I, I looked in the bottom of my bucket and I was like, what the actual F is that? And I just stared at it and I'm watching. I'm like, ah, that was inside me and just tripping, you know, like what? Okay. I'm going to need to ask some questions. You know, I'm like, Jesus, <laughs> what, what was, that? where'd you go? <laughs> you know, but I do think that like his sort of energy disappeared but then like mother ayahuasca came in which is also mother nature pachamama whatever you however you want to label it i feel and many people do that she's real she could she presented herself as mary to me before just the female divine mother nature energy came in and she was the one that kind of brought in well okay now it's my turn to download into you what you just saw and so you know i'm taken immediately to a a night that i would have not even been able to call to memory um back in the you know early 90s big party night used to go to we didn't call them raves back then we called them undergrounds and 
with there would late night party, lots of ecstasy, plenty of cocaine, whatever. Just it was what it was. Sorry, you know, I was 23 or whatever. Um, but it was as if I was there. And I was shown that some passing by little parasite just implanted itself in the back of my neck and had been with me ever since. And that's what I purged out. And so then I learned in a download that, that I think a lot of addictions and a lot of maybe even depression um, are as a result of opening up your psychic, you know, you drink too much and you pass out. I feel like you're essentially a bus with the door open, you know, right? like you just open that portal and anything open can come portal. in. Yeah. So even though there was, I feel like lots of other stuff that maybe happened, those were the biggies from that second ceremony. When I drove home uh, from that ceremony, it was eight hour drive or whatever, I, the, I knew that I had gotten rid of something that was a parasite. I could just feel this parasite gone. Colors were brighter. Things smelled better. Uh, the hat, I, a depression that I had carried for years was just gone. It was just lifted. So, you know, lots of various other stories I could go into. I could literally take all night, found out some things. I'd had two C-sections, found out that was probably not such a good thing. I had to kind of rebirth two of my kids because their psychic bodies were harmed by that, things like that. So it, it, it was a, the whole thing was a lot of work, a lot of learning, a lot of process, uh, physically and psychically very taxing. Um, but I do want to get to the story that I told you that I wanted to get to about the um, psychic attack um, uh, night terror, the one that I had since I was starting to, because um, I'm not even sure how long we've been going, but I don't, um, anyway, I want to get, I want to get this one in because, uh, and also my shaman passing away, but this one real quick, long story short, I remarried and my new husband had a sister has a sister that's got some mental issues and she did not like our union at all. And with her mental issues, you know, like it, like I said, it's a very long story. I had to get a restraining order, all manners of stuff. And we lived in the same building. Um, my husband and her owned the same building together. So I had to come across her quite a bit. That's why I needed to get the restraining order. And, and um, in one of the ceremonies I had, um, I had, Gosh, there's so many really cool stories, but um, and, but there's always get, a part four, you know. <laughs> they get kind of long. Um, uh, yeah, yeah. If maybe we talk a little bit more about another time, my shaman and his passing and stuff, because there's there it is. I feel very interesting, but also an enlightening story. This man was he was a he he was an angel, really. But I'll tell you this um this story about the the sister the sister-in-law, um, monster-in-law. Um, I used to, we used to be really good friends and then she just, she's had some mental issues, you know, she was, uh, later diagnosed with some pretty heavy stuff and she, you know, attacked me, uh, physically and definitely mentally. And, um, anyway, in one of the ceremonies, I learned a lot about like sort of past life stuff. And I went back to these past lives as a, um, early Lakota tribe in an early Lakota tribe. I must have gone back to this past life in with ayahuasca ceremonies at least a dozen times. And I was various people, usually 
uh, the same person that would keep reincarnating with this tribe is really deep, really wild, really real. And then other people from this life going all the way back to this Lakota tribe. Um, it, I know it sounds wacky, but it was very powerful. I tend to believe that <clears throat> we're almost like cosmic actors that just come back and reincarnate for the same play or, or different play. I mean, just as different totally. characters, mm -hmm. but we are mm -hmm. who we are, but we come back as different roles each time. So that makes perfect sense to me. hundred percent. I believe that. And, and also if you, if you go down, I like uh, a path of, of journeying very deeply with medicine um, you, you will get that sensation, even not with the medicine. So, um, you know, so there'll, there'll be people that'll say, you know, well, I can do ayahuasca because I'm, you know, I'm sober and that kind of thing. It's kind of the opposite, you know, uh, because it's not addictive. The only addictive part was the learning, you know, the, mm -hmm. the medicine itself, you're not craving, it tastes like shit. It's very hard on the body. Uh, it's the mind expansion that becomes, um, you know, some people need more, you know, like I just kept wanting to go up another elevator and, uh, and, and would always benefit from it. Um, the dark side of it is there are people here that will abuse the power that it gives them. And that's why I have had to withdraw, at least from the group that I was working with after he died. But I get back to that story about the sister-in-law. Um, I came home. No, I had a, I had a very deep ceremony one that I had been with the, that Lakota tribe. And in this particular vision um, journey, I was, a, I was a woman in this tribe and I had had a child that died. And I went through this whole process, this whole protocol of what this, uh, what I needed to do having a dead child. I had named this baby uh, Yellowbird and I needed to bury Yellowbird by myself in a ceremony by the river. And I did in this very elaborate vision. And while I was doing it, I realized it was my husband's sister. And so, you know, it was like, I came back from that thinking, okay, cause I have some deep mm, disdain for his sister, you know, because of, you know, like she hurt me. Like, you know, I, I very easily could have had her arrested a, a couple of times and, and she really was a lot of drama. And so I had, a, I, I had to come to a place, the medicine essentially told me the only way that you're going to move through this karma is to find forgiveness for her and her mental illness and all that stuff. And I did, you know, even though there was plenty of drama to come still with her, I was able to go in my mind and, and understand that this role that she's playing, um, I have another I have another connection with her and I loved this child deeply though in this long ago space of this baby I had to bury. So I come home from that where we lived in this life. We are, our parking spots are right next to each other. And, um, I was like literally getting out in my white clothes and stuff after the ceremony. And I rarely looked at her, but I turned back and I looked at her and we got eye contact and her eyes were black. And, you know, the ayahuasca lasts about two hours in terms of your, um, 
going under or being under the influence, it's very short, which is actually kind of nice as deep as you go. And it, you know, it's really sort of like clockwork. There's a couple hours, sometimes it'll go longer, but not like you can drive home the next day. You go to a ceremony, you can, you can for sure drive home the next day. So I was post ceremony, but I was not under the influence, but still very high vibration. And because I had already had the um, experience with the parasite, I looked at her and I saw the parasite in her and I went, she's got, you know, she got a demon. <laughs> she's got something driving her boat, you know? And so, um, and then I also knew that it, it saw that I saw it. And so wacky as that sounds, I went, okay, I think I have some idea that there, this is a psycho-spiritual issue as well as a, a, a mental illness. And also I, because I had known her for a very long time, I know that she had her bout with some serious drugs. She had ages before that she had had a, you know, a meth addiction and stuff. And even though she had gotten her life together somewhat, I think, you know, and I still believe that this, there was something else running the show in another, you know, vision. I had seen something literally under her, you know, like, so anyway, it knew that I saw it. So, um, that night, um, I was, my shaman was also, uh, working. I was working with some naturopath supplements with him. He was getting me some stuff and a naturopath doctor. Um, I had some hormonal stuff going on and also the stress of dealing with my husband's sister had kind of put me in some adrenal fatigue because it had gone on too long. And anyway, that the very next day I was supposed to go back up to, uh, my shaman's loft in LA and, um, and meet for the medicine stuff, right? Or the, the supplements. And so I had a 9 a.m. appointment with him. So sun, on Monday, Sunday night, I had, uh, Sunday afternoon is when I had had this experience with the sister. And um, that night, um, I had not had any night terrors. I had nothing like that. And ever since I started the, um, you know, the medicine and stuff. And um, I am one of those person, people that I hate to be late. I'm just not late. I don't like people to, and then especially for Alfonso, I was like, y'all be there at 9am sharp. You know, <laughs> um, I had had a night terror and this, in this night terror, this, this demon thing was holding me down and I knew it was hers. Her creature had um, came to hold me down. And I, I knew where it came from. I knew what it was. I was trying to manage um, the process of extricating myself from it. I was starting to try and get the will to invoke the name of Christ. And, but it was very, very, it felt like it just, it was a battle, you know? And so I, you know, I'm typically someone usually wakes up around seven, even though I had my alarm set just in case I overslept, I, you know, I woke up, I was supposed to meet Alfonso at nine and I woke up at nine. And so I had to drive to downtown LA and I was like, and the, and so the thing came off me. Finally, I was like, in the name of Jesus Christ, you know, be gone. And, and finally I came to, and I, just like you said, I looked right at my clock and I'm like, holy shit, it's nine o'clock. And so I run to my car. I like was all but in pajamas and slippers. And I'm like, I, I'm not going to be late. And because this thing tried to stop me from my meeting with him. I like, because essentially this thing is causing me adrenal fatigue. It's feeding off me and, and he's going to, he's helping me with this. And so I call him from my car and I'm like, I'm so sorry. He goes, love. He goes, you were doing some battle, weren't you? And I went, Oh my God, how did you know? And he goes, I was there. And so 
Uh, and so if I had any doubts in this dude before that, because you always do, you always have about people, you're like, what are motivations? And, you know, no matter how much you think you trust. And I was like, okay, this guy knows what's going on. And so, um, you know, sure enough, I mean, that happened, it was another shared experience with him. And so then part of the protocol with him working with me was helping to keep me protected from that. And so I had him. And so he would do that with the people that he would work with. He would know their their intimate lives pretty well. And he would be working as a shaman on his end in the dreamscape, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, so anyway, that, that was like, you know, kind of tying that all up together with that story of the night terror. So then that was also, I also learned that I do, I do pretty firmly believe that when people have night terrors, I don't think it's just a, a sleep disorder, you know, no. um, after those experiences, you know, I'm sure there's people that just be like, Oh, you're high on ayahuasca. You go and do these drugs. Like you're, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but when you're coming from that place and going into the deep shamanic realms, cause there's a, a lot of other places that you can go and things that you can do and experience and learn and, not the way Alfonso worked was um, when we would all come to in the morning after our night journeys is we would all share what our experiences were. So not only did I have, you know, hundreds of experiences, but I also heard, you know, 500 more other experiences and some of them start to become common. You know, a lot of people, maybe there'll be a worm, you know, there'll be a worm for six hours, you know, and and or, or a tree or you know or they'll see jesus and any and everything in between you know um so um yeah i know we've been going for a while now so um let me know what are you thinking that's my mind's blown you know i could just sit and listen to this for <laughs> all night um yeah that, that's absolutely amazing and i will talk to you off off record about what i think maybe my thing was but um yeah yeah um yeah I, I mean we can wrap it up here and like i said i mean my show is an open door policy uh, okay. you, have, you have a vip pass you can come on anytime you want okay yeah let's do that and then maybe in the meantime if you like end up having some questions um because you know the the big if, if if anybody is ever gifted with the ability to uh, work with someone like that, that you trust really deeply, that is not going to take advantage, is not going to go dark and their integrity is really in place. Cause that's the problem is people are like, Oh man, I can sadly, you know, right. the, I thought for a while that because of the medicine, I was protected from all of that. And then I ended up, and maybe that's the other story is the side that human nature, people get Messiah complexes and they can make some money doing this and take advantage of people. And, you know, th so that is another side to it, but all during the process, like, I can't say I regret any of it because there's, there's so many powerful lessons, you know, and, you know, there's the big, you know, there's the big ones. There's the figuring out how to actually forgive, you know, and what unconditional love really is, you know, and it, we talk a big story where we think we know what it is. So maybe at another time we can talk about, um, that because it's, I think it's kind of vibration raising and it is the, like, there is one way to fight evil and it's unconditional love. <laughs> There's, and I agree with exist. that. 
I you agree know? with that 100%. And it's so interesting too. I was just talking uh, with this guy from another podcast called Random Randy, and he was saying how we have so many words in this language for all the low vibration feelings, but all we have is love. Like, and it's right. so much more than that. We don't have the language to really explain what love is. And it's done on yeah. purpose, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the, gosh, the more you sort of expand your thinking, the more you realize like this place is a deep illusion. And, and with that there, I also believe that there might be some people at the helm running that illusion, you know, for whatever the reasons are, you know, a, a multitude of different reasons, but, um, you know, watching people wake up, you know, and then watching people wake up and then fall back to sleep and then wake up, you know, so, you know, there's other things that I have to say about that. Like you can, you can be just as you can be Buddha, or, you know, you can walk around and be like, I do ayahuasca. I do possum. I, I fall deeply back into the matrix, I, you know, and I think, and I have a lot of pondering to do about that. Cause I'll be like, wow, I'm really feeling this anger right now, you know, <laughs> or I'm really, I am not happy with that person. But I do think that that is essentially why we've signed up for this place is if, if we're not feeling it a hundred percent, then are we learning as deeply, you know? So, you know, like the grief I feel for losing my friend last week, you know, I can do some mediumship work. That doesn't mean I don't feel that grief and I'm not lost and, and I'm in deep pain, you know, about it. So, you know, it, I think it's all those, a balance. It's all a balance. It's exactly. Exactly. I was just going to say they're tools to, to stay in, balance you know but I, I think like we're living in a world right now that is trying to keep us deeply out of balance whether it's the shitty food or the air or the water you know like it's everything that's what it's blows actual. my mind about like i know people that don't trust our government but they're just gonna run out and trust the government now like <laughs> right or it's like yeah I, I mean i could go on and <laughs> say stuff like people in the like yoga communities and stuff or metaphysical shops that require you to wear a mask it's just it's insane right. you know it's yeah. like do you do you listen to anything that the books say that you sell it's but yeah yeah which is it right fear. It, it's all fear and yeah I, i'm sick of living in fear and yeah. i just that's a big part of why i started this show too because the paranormal experiences i had led me to the conspiracy stuff you know really got Same. me into it Same. And, since then and then it leads you back to the to spirituality and all this stuff and it just yeah yeah it you can't i don't think you can get very deep into one without exploring the other right. you know it, it so when you're coming across like you know someone who might be a zen buddhist or you know maybe the deep vipassana uh people is uh you get i i think if this is your karma or in your contract get to a point where the uh, material drama becomes irrelevant. Um, I think that there is probably part of my con life contract that I still have to experience, you know, the drama of watching us be lied to and being angry about it, you know, and, but wanting something different for my children, you know, like that. So, um, and also there is, 
something very interesting about finding like-minded people such as yourself where i i can go nico can you believe this shit <laughs> you well, know? I, I again every guest i've had it, it's it's all synchronistic there's a reason why we're all meeting together and not to be like ego driven or anything like that but it's just i know that there's a reason behind yeah. every guest that reach out reaches out to me because we all have a story to tell and I, I think we all have little puzzle pieces to try to put this piece big puzzle together and make it get a little bit of a better understanding at least you know yeah and that's yeah totally yeah uh, if nothing else you just don't feel like you're alone in it right yeah and it's it's like we were talking off the record it's just aside from a few people in my family, there's no one else to talk to. And that's so when you can yeah. talk to someone on the other side of the country, <laughs> you yeah. know, they're going through the same stupid shit. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's great. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. so let's wrap it up there. And okay. uh, yeah, like I said, VIP pass, you know, you can okay. come on whenever you want and we'll, we'll do another one soon because yeah, I want to dive. There's so many things like, the purging of that little creature like <laughs> that's yeah just, it's, yeah we'll do a follow-up and you know because there's some other stuff some other experiences that it, like i think when when we talked about um the experience the after-death communication and the medium with my mom there was things that came to my life that were absolutely practical like as you know you can call it woo but i was able to put it to practical use in my life and it changed my health you know so like there's some things about ayahuasca it changed my money i mean money changed for me after i started doing that and i've had you know i've got a lot of sort of thoughts about that you know related to fear and related to self-worth you it's know all and, energy it's all energy exactly transfer. it's it's currency you know what are you paying your attention to and once you That's realize right. that it's i don't know because i've gone through a similar thing it's like once i stopped worrying about money I didn't have to worry about money. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird. I don't know how to explain it, but yep. Yeah. Who knows? But yeah, and that's what, another... how does that shift happen? And would that shift have happened for me without it? It's possible because I'm a, but I'm a seeker. It would have been through another means, perhaps. But um in any case, I saw the shift almost immediately. And you know, but there it takes a lot of deep exploration to dig out your shadow stuff you know um it's not always easy it's never easy let's say yeah i mean we could do a whole episode on shadow work and like again all this meditation stuff is very new to me i was very closed off to this stuff um i kind of indoctrinated myself into like the hebrew roots movement and i was very anything that was woo woo was evil i thought for a long time okay. and Great. it's just 2020 again just being off for six weeks and just spending time with my family really just put into perspective I, I got out of that stuff back in like 2015 2016 but it just yeah it, it's it's the stuff that they tell you is bad is usually the best stuff for you, you it's know? so funny I think the evil overlords or whatever we you know want to call them I don't think they expected people with the shutdown to actually go inside uh, themselves yeah yeah i think that was an unintended um benefit and i think it's a lot of people have you know 
had some revelations about how they've been programmed, you know? So yeah. Yeah. Okay. Let's do yeah. that. Yeah. Okay. Let's wrap it up here. Okay. Whitney, thank you so much for coming on again. Uh, if anyone wants to reach out to you, where can they? Uh, let's see. So uh, I have an Instagram and it's uh, at tricksterfox7. And then I have a website that's um, uh, whitneyfoxmedium.com. So yeah, I'd love to hear from anybody, any like-minded folk. Um, you know, if there's any trash talkers, you can just, you know, miss me with that. But <laughs> just kidding. Well, thank you again. And uh, we will do this again very soon. So Okay, Nico. That's fine. Have a have a great night. Okay, you too. Bye. And that's the show, folks. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you did enjoy it and you want to support the show, um, the best thing you can do is to hop onto Apple Podcasts and leave me a five-star review. Um, you know, that really helps the show grow. And just share the show. Share it with your friends, family, coworkers, wherever, however. Put it on Instagram, social media. Send it through a text message, an email. Tell people about it, whatever. You know, it's that's how you get shows like this to grow. And hopefully we can get more and more guests on that can share their paranormal experiences. And, you know, as always, if you've had a paranormal or a spiritual experience and you'd like to be on the show or you just want to talk about some unconventional things, uh, send me an email upstateunconventional at gmail.com or send me a message through Instagram at upstate underscore unconventional. I'd love to hear your stories, folks, and I will see you on the next episode.